0: Transition. How huh? do we go from that to Urkel? The guy that played that was a guy named Jaleel White, and uh, talented young man. In fact, he created that character in the midst of of, of the of the, uh, the, the, the audition. Like he, that really wasn't how that character was originally written. He was only supposed to be there on a couple of episodes, but the, he just blew the audition away, and he became a long term. Uh, character on the show. Well, he actually went on to, to host a show called Total Blackout. Anybody ever see this show? My wife and I love to laugh at the misery of others. Can I say that? Uh, um, there's just something about watching other people suffer by their own hands. I, I I'll just say this. And they keep doing it, right? That just makes us laugh. So in this show, what happens is uh, they, they they have all these terrifying images, and they talk everybody up, and then they completely turn all the lights out, and they make people uh, touch things, go through different mazes and stuff like that, and, and, and the idea is you can't see, and so sometimes your partner can see, and so they have to give you clues, and so that's a wonderful marriage lesson, right? Like, you know, you're supposed to listen to your partner, they're going to navigate you through or whatever, but anyway, they, they, one of the funniest ones I ever saw was, do y'all remember these these troll dolls? Do y'all remember these? So they got these people, I mean, just psyched out, and it's pitch dark, and they have to put their hand into this box, and touch all the stuff that's in there and figure out what it is, right, and the reactions of these people when they get the little troll hair, I mean, it's it like like things crawling on you, right, it's just, it's hilarious, because we on TV can see those are little, you know, creepy troll dolls, but they're they're not scary, and of course, as far as they're concerned, it's one of those uh, uh, Central American tarantulas that weigh like six pounds and are going to eat you, right, Uh and it's this ideal of in the dark you just don't know, and, so, and of course there's always someone going, "You can do it, you can do it, right?" And, and you're just putting your hand in there. It, it's, I don't know, it's crazy. The, the other thing that, that this is kind of a newer trend too, and I'm not playing this game. I don't care who you are or how much money you put down. But this is a new game. It's the, the mouse trap game. Now it's not the mouse trap game you may think, but what happens is, is is you convince family members to put on blindfolds and they put loaded mouse traps on the floor. Or on the table with money, and you have to reach in however money you can get, and they're popping and everything. I mean, yeah, you know. Tell me about your Christmas with family. <laughs> it was awesome. Three toes were lost. East Texas was restored back to, you know, anyway. Yeah. But the idea is that you're blindfolded and you're trusting, right? This is crazy talk. That's why we like to do things with lights on, you know. Because I'm not putting my hand in that box if I can see what's in that box, or I'm not going to be so afraid of what's in that box if I can see what's in that box. And, folks, that's the message of Christmas. That's the, the necessity and the reason of Jesus is that the, the true light of Christmas reveals what God really sees in us, actually. And, and it's what we sometimes miss is that, that, that God sends Jesus down to us not just because we needed rescue, but to reveal in us that the danger is really in staying in the dark, not coming towards the light. That, that, the, that the revelation that the light of, the true light of Christmas brings is, is that there is not only hope, but there is promise behind that hope. You know, if you're a, if you're a, a soccer or a, or a football fan, uh, you, you know, there's the, there, particularly the English have this saying it's the hope that kills, right? And they're such devoted fans, and they hope their team's going to win. And and if you're in the business world, you know, sometimes we we talk about hope is not a strategy, right? Well, listen, when it comes to Christianity, hope is actually the precursor to the promise of deliverance that comes through Jesus Christ. And hope is always future-focused. It's never... It's never in the moment and it's never past. It's always future, folks. I hope for a better future. So when we read the scriptures and we see that, that, that the greatest of these is love because you know, all that remains is faith, hope, and love, there would be no necessity for faith nor hope when all that is in love when we're in heaven with the Father. Because we don't hope for anything better because it doesn't get any better than the full presence of God. And that's the true light of Christmas is saying that the full presence of God is going to come down and reveal to us how God really sees us. Now, lest we get too far ahead and we start thinking, as, as many do, particularly in a, in a high, self-deprecating society that has all kinds of issues, that, that the revelation of God sees me as this horrible, terrible, worthless lump. That's not true at all, by the way. That's a lie straight from the enemy's mouth. Don't listen to it. It is a lie. But I, I do want to show you a couple things this morning. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to John chapter 1. Where we've been for the last couple of weeks, we're going to continue there today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about that at Christmas Eve as well. But turn to John chapter 1, whether it be in your your Bible or on your phone or whatever application you have. And we're we're moving into a little bit of a transition. John is setting us up to understand the purpose and necessity of this Jesus, this light of the world, who would be the light of men. And he's setting us up so that we can see that. And the first thing I want to share with you, what the true light of, of, of Christmas really reveals... In regards to how God sees us is that God sees my needs. God God looks down upon all humanity and he goes, You know what? They're trying everything they can to get what they want and they are still needing something else. Something they cannot produce on their own, something they cannot achieve on their own, something they cannot obtain by their own human effort. They still have a tremendous need, and the only way that need's going to be met is if I intervene. That's the only way, because because no matter what, they're going to continue to want, to to be unsatisfied, to hunger and thirst for other than what only the true sustainer can provide. And so look with me in John chapter one, verse nine. It says very simply the true light, which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. What a wonderful verse to start this next paragraph in in John, because what, what he's saying is, is the true light was brought to everyone. Now, there was a, a belief during this time of the writing of John, uh, and, and we even see some of that today, that there's some sort of hierarchy of who gets access to the best. Uh, maybe it's the rich. Maybe it's a different uh, class system or the nobility or whatever. But what this clearly says to us is that God sees us. He sees that we're in need, and he doesn't care about how much money we make or don't make. Or, or how many children we have, or don't children, or how, how big our house is, or don't what he doesn't care about. Any of those things that he was going to bring the light for all mankind, that everyone, to use the pun, was on common ground. Their need was so great that God said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to satisfy the need of everyone. And God knows exactly what he sees and what we need. And so that's what I think breaks his heart sometimes is that instead of going to him and saying, listen, I know that I'm wanting, I know I'm short, I know I'm in need of something, I'm not totally sure what it is, but I'm going to go looking for it in all the wrong places, instead of saying, no, I just need to follow the true light of Christmas that's that's given to me. It's kind of what Paul would say to us, that it's right in front of us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, in their case, the God of this world, who would be Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Now, keep that in thought for a moment, of the, of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He says, no wonder people are in need. Is because they've been blinded by the God of this world. They bought into the lie, that they're not good enough, they're not rich enough, they're the wrong color skin, they're the wrong uh, ethnicity, they're the wrong nationality, they don't speak the right language, they don't have the right education. They bought into the lie of the enemy of what they're not enough, and so they still have this need, and they're trying to fulfill it by, by some sort of accomplishment that they can do on earth, and that's not the case. They're never going to fulfill that need because God says, I know what your need is, and I'm going to fulfill that, and it's going to be the true light of Christmas who is Jesus. And what you really need to do is stop following the God of this world and start following the God who created this world, who created all things with his spoken word. It, likewise, it, it would be likened to what the book of Revelation tells us to the church of Laodicea in particular. Laodicea was this church that was rich. It was known as a banking center. They, they, they had all kinds of great things going for them. But in John's Revelation, uh, chapter 3, verse 17, he says, "...for you say I'm rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing." not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, uh, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. It's like all these things that you prop yourself up of, all the, the glory that you give to yourself, even the glory and the platitudes that others heap upon you are nowhere sufficient to the true need that you have, that God sees and he sent the true light into the world to give light to everyone, not just the few. Isaiah would similarly say something in in Isaiah 42. He says, And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. and past they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. Isaiah was saying one's going to come. He's he's the one who's going to say his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with you. And the reason why Emmanuel is a necessity for all mankind is because they have a need They cannot fulfill, and they've taken all these other paths, and God says, no, 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 what you need is the right guide, and I'm going to send the right guide for you. What you need is someone to tell you, put your hand in the box, or don't put your hand in the box. What you need is for someone to tell you, listen, I came for everyone, and there's no system here. There's no class system. There's no financial system. There's no anything. There's just need. There's a spiritual need to be set right with your Creator All mankind has that because sin has separated us that way. And the good news is is the true light of Christmas has come to fulfill that need for everyone. The second thing I think that God sees when he looks down on humanity is my ignorance. Now, I don't want you to confuse that word ignorance with stupidity, okay? Now, they often travel in pairs, but I don't want you to see that word just as stupidity. What, What I want you to see ignorance as this intentional ignoring of. Like, I know it, but I'm not going to do it. Or I see it, but I'm going to pretend like I don't see it. I have to confess, this This past week I saw someone in the store that I had not seen in a very long time, and our last interaction was not real positive. And I'm one of those people that I, I, I can handle conflict, I just prefer to avoid it, right? And so I kind of was walking through the store like this, you know. I was ignoring that person. I wasn't acting stupidly towards him, but I was ignoring that person. And I have to tell you in my heart, I'm going, don't. But in my mind, I'm talking myself into doing that, right? I don't need help from the outside world. I, I can do plenty of bad on my own, okay? And, and, and so, of course, what happened was the person, being a better person than me at the moment, said, Hey, Pastor John, how are you? Hey! I didn't, I didn't say it, but I didn't see him there. And we talked a little bit, and it was weird. It was awkward, to say the very least. But that ignorance had purpose behind it, had fuel behind it, had decision behind it, had choice behind it. And this is exactly what, what John tells us in, in verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Now, now, it sounds a little circular in how it's written here, but essentially what he was saying was, there is not any way, shape, or form that the creator of the world has hidden himself his power, his authority, his desire for mankind from anyone, he actually was very forward in this. And people looked at it and go, I'm choosing not to ignore that. I'm choosing to ignore that, to to not let that go into my mind. I'm not going to accept that, right? It's this whole claim thing that's really kind of messed up. But, but in verse 10, he revealed himself over and over and over and over again. We know that the rocks will cry out. We know that creation declares the glory of the Lord Almighty. And so anyone who can say, no, no, God doesn't exist or God doesn't care about me or God's indifferent for me, you're choosing that decision through ignorance, not through stupidity. You're choosing to ignore what God has already revealed in so many ways. And there's not anything that reveals better than light itself. And so the light came into the world for all mankind, and he revealed our ignorance to us. And God said, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. Because I don't want to compare God to a small child, but I do want to tell you that a small child probably has part of this figured out that the rest of us don't. Because if you've ever tried to ignore a small child long enough, you realize that at some point you're either going to just give in to them or you're going to snap, right? Dad, 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 dad. Are you with me? Dad. Dad. You guys understand what I'm saying? It's like, okay, at some point, I can't ignore this. It's just going to keep happening until finally I just kind of snap or I do something about this. And I have to say that the good parents, the good parents are the ones that kind of stop and and reframe, right? Sweetheart, Daddy loves you, but it's going to be hard to throw a ball with nine fingers, okay? Aren't you glad God didn't do that? Aren't you glad he didn't do that? We can only ignore for so long, but, but look, even if we ignore it, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that it's not there. It doesn't mean that it's not real. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have power and authority and ability to impact and change our world. But that's exactly what humanity did over and over and over. They turned their back. Again, Paul wrote to the, to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. We ignore things for so long that our hearts do begin to harden a little bit and that our minds begin to to come up with all these different ideas and we try to put things in perspective according to what we think or feel we so or what we think we feel we believe instead of saying, look, God's actually put it out there in front of us. He's made it clear to us in such a way. We don't have to go trying to reinvent the wheel here when God said, listen, my light came into the world and revealed the truth and it revealed your need and your need was that you're, you're, you're ignoring me and all the while, I've been calling you to myself. All the while, I've been trying to get your attention. All the while, I've been saying, listen, you're really looking in the wrong places. If you would just turn, I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here and I love you and I care about you and I want you to know that the only hope that you have is me. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a lack of options. It's the best possible choice you can make. In Romans, we also see the same reality. In Romans chapter 1, an often read passage, says, For in in his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Do, Do you know that saying, if it had been a snake, it bit you? I mean, the the irony of that statement is that there was a snake that talked to Eve right after she was walking in the garden with the Lord in the full presence of God Almighty. And she ignored his teachings. She ignored his commands. And she listened to the snake that should have bit her, right? That's what mankind, that's what humanity has been doing forever and and ever and ever and ever and ever trying to figure out something other than god trying to figure out the history of the universe apart from god there's there's this ignorance that is there that we call academia sometimes that we elevate in education of these really smart people that are ignoring occam's razor that says the simplest example or simplest solution is it right maybe just maybe a singular eternal being spoke everything into existence No, can't get on board with that. I'm going to choose to ignore that instead. And what often happens in that shift in our ignorance is that we begin to fill in the holes and the gaps with everything else so that we can make sense of why things are the way that they are. If God really cared, then he would not allow children to suffer. If God really cared, there would be hunger and cold and all these other things. If God really cared. And so therefore, I'm going to ignore God because he's not matching up to what I think God ought to be. So I've set my own standard because I've ignored the standard that's been given to me. Even looking at the creation order and how God put things, how they're supposed to be, I've decided to ignore that. Sometimes it's just laziness. Other times it's just the snake that's right in front of us and we choose to be bitten instead. Which leads me to John chapter 1 verse 11. The third point this morning is that God sees my rebellious heart. I I can't imagine what it's like for God to look down upon his favorite creation and, and see them in such deep need, but with such strong wills to ignore and even go a step farther and say, I'm not just going to ignore, I'm going to run exactly the opposite direction. I'm going to choose to make harder decisions, worse decisions, more non-benign decisions. I'm not just going to stay here and be a lump. Instead, I'm going to take active measures to defy God himself. And so when God looks down and he sees this in all of humanity, like he did at Babel, it grieved him he even created man. But instead of wiping this all out, he looks and he says, man, they have a need, and they're trying to fulfill it the wrong way. They're ignorant, even though I keep showing them time and time again myself, my power, my authority, even my love for them. Man, they're just rebellious. They're just finding ways to thumb their nose at me. Verse 11 and John 1 says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. This is perhaps one of the great mysteries of all of scripture. God God makes a, a, a he makes a covenant with Jacob and he says uh, I, I knew your father Abraham and Isaac, and I knew them, and I made a covenant with them, but I'm going to restore one with you, Jacob. You're going to be the father of many nations, and there's 12 tribes that are going to come out of you. And through you, all nations will be blessed. That's what he said to Abraham, and he continued that through. And what God said was, listen, I, I'm not creating infinite beings in humanity, not, not at the moment, not, not how they live on this earth. So they're not going to understand all of my ways. They're not going to understand the fullness of my glory. They're not going to understand all these things. But I'm going to give them enough to understand, to know they can trust me and they can follow me if they choose to do so. And one of the ways I'm going to do that is I'm going to send my messenger through this particular way, particularly through the people of Israel. And through them, all mankind will have the opportunity for salvation. And the Jews knew this. In fact... They held themselves up higher than everybody else. Messiah will come through our line. We're better than the rest of you. Our God is the one true God. We're better than the rest of you. Even other nations at one point when they were walking with the Lord and doing what they were supposed to do would not go up against Israel because they knew that the God of Israel was real. 400 years after they, they, they leave Egypt, excuse me, that's not right, After they leave Egypt, they're running around in exile. They go into, uh, Joshua leads them into the promised land. And, And what is the first thing that says, oh, wait a minute, we've heard about your God. We heard what he did to the Egyptians. We don't want to mess with you. We don't want none of that. I mean, so other nations were hearing about this power and this might and this strong, but they weren't hearing about the salvation that God brings. It's going to come first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, as Paul would write. This morning, we, we brought up again what, what we'd studied this past year in Jeremiah, that even in exile, the people, the, 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 the Israelites were told, even in exile, you go and live in Babylon and bless those people so that they know who I am. That's why his name is I am. It doesn't have to be anything greater than that. Who sent you? I am sent me. Not I will be or I could be or it's possible. I am sent me. I am with him. And he is with me, and he wants to be with all mankind because we have this deep need, but we've been ignorant, and now we have this willing, rebellious heart. And right there in front of them the whole time, Israel rejected them. When Jesus would come onto the scene uh, during his ministry, which was only about three years, which really is so interesting that in three years, one man could disrupt society for a couple of thousand years, right? They they looked for him for a couple of thousand years. He spends three years here, making waves in a small little country about the size of Rhode Island, by the way, with, with one group of people, two groups of people if you count the Romans, okay? And he shakes things up for three years. They nail him to a cross, put him in a tomb. He walks out of there. Forty days later, ascends back to the Father, and he says on his way out, hey, I'm going to be back because things are going to get dark, and I'm going to bring light back into this world. But in that meantime, in the three years, The Jewish people, God's chosen people, who knew him but ignored him, have Jesus right in front of them. This is what he says in Luke chapter 13, verse 14. But the ruler of the synagogue, some celebrity pastor probably, right? The ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. (laughs) This is crazy. Said to the people, there are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath. This is one of the most asinine stories in all of Scripture for me. Some dude got healed. I don't care what day it was, and I don't care what he got. Nobody failed to acknowledge that this man was healed. Are y'all catching this? And instead, the guy says, no, 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 no. Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, 9 to noon on Saturdays, right? No, they all missed the reality and ignored it. it. was right literally right in front of them and they said, No, 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 man, this is outside of our rules. How are those working out for you, right? Because you're you're ruling by fear and you're ruling by authority. You're not ruling by love and by truth. And that's what the, the true light of Christmas is going to bring into this world. Likewise when Jesus was in his hometown and he was preaching in Luke chapter 4, it says this, when they heard these things, all the synagogue were filled with wrath. Imagine that, being in church and everybody gets upset at the pastor, huh? Wouldn't that be interesting? I'd love to have that ability. Like I've made y'all uncomfortable and some of y'all have turned a little bit, but I mean, I'm talking like vitriol anger, right? Like I, I, I'm trying to figure out how do I do that. They were so filled with wrath. And they rose up and they drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. Ooh, man, some people just leave churches. They don't carry the pastor out and throw him off a mountain. Right? Nowhere in that statement did they say they disagreed with him. He was a liar, he was guilty of blasphemy. All you saw there was they didn't like what he had to say and couldn't refute it. And so what the plan was, kill the messenger. Kill the messenger. Hey, there's no way this guy is from our lineage. There's no way he's the Messiah. There's no way that he's really the guy. Because everything we've built him up to be in the past is not who this person is. But really, go back, it was right in front of the entire time. And they were ignorant to the truth of all the scriptures that they had proclaimed to know so well, and they missed it. It was right in front of them the whole time. Right in front of it. And the reason it was right in front of them, because their hearts were so rebellious. So rebellious. Have you met somebody like that? That no matter if you're right, no matter how much help you want to give them, their rebellious heart is going to stop them from receiving the truth. Stop them from seeing how much you love them. Stop them from knowing how much you care about them. Stop them from seeing that even in discipline, you're doing what is best for them, but their rebellious heart has gotten to such a place that it's become willful rebellion, and we call that simply sin. That's really all it is. It is a willful rebellion against the authority, which is God and His Word. But finally, I think this is one of the best buts in all of the Scripture verse 12, God sees a beloved child. I I, I think it's right here where we kind of miss understanding the miracle of Christmas and the necessity of Christmas and what the end game of Christmas really was and is and can be for others. Because we look at all these other things And we see that God is somehow indifferent. God how somehow set apart from everybody else. God doesn't really care about humanity. But but in verse 12, it starts with the word, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let me tell you what what the true light of Christmas is. True light of Christmas is, the true light of Christmas, it, it, it revealed for us what God already saw. Man, these, these people, they, they have a deep need and everything's failing. They have an ignorance that brings them pride. They're proud to be ignorant. Yeah, I've heard the truth, but I chose to ignore it. I mean, indignant. They have this rebellious heart. You can tell me a hundred ways from Sunday what is right, what is true, whatever, and I'm going to do it differently just because I can. I have free will. Isn't that what your Bible teaches about? God says, despite all those things, what I see when I look down at humanity is a beloved child that I would do absolutely everything for. Catch that. Not anything, everything for. I would do all I could to get that relationship restored, to provide for them not just the hope, but the truth that they need so desperately to fix their rebellious hearts, to fulfill every need they ever had, and be so real to them that they, they can no longer be ignorant. I love what it says here is that, that some will receive, some will believe, and some will be redeemed. God's love is is is, is universally ex- accessible. You catch that for a second? God's love is universally accessible. What it means is that there is nothing that we can do while we still have breath in life to exclude us from the availability of God's love for us. There's nothing. Well, if God only... God does know. Listen, if you think you're a terrible, horrible person, trust me, God's certain you are. Don't be surprised by that. But you're his beloved child made in his image worthy now catch that worthy of the sacrifice of his one and only son willing to go to the cross for you not just come out of the cradle but to go to the cross for you because you're a beloved child this is the first time John actually brings in the ideal of belief and that's what Christmas really is right I mean we've all seen the movie elf it's not good theology But there's an element there where Santa says, people stop believing, so I start losing power. Let me 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 just tell you something. You cannot believe in God all day long. He loses nothing from your disbelief. Not a thing. And even in the midst of your disbelief and your ignorance and your rebellious heart, even in the midst of that, he says, I have what you need. And what you need to do is believe in me and be redeemed and be my child be my adopted child. Come, bear my name, not just my image. Some will believe. Some will be relieved, redeemed. And friends, in short, what this really tells us is that this is faith, and in our faith it reveals God's real plan for us. And our faith reveals our love for God and God's love for us. Because sometimes we just have to have faith that God knows exactly what we need and why it's better for us than what we have for ourselves. Because at some point, maybe we get to a place where it says, okay, I've had enough, I'm tired, I can't do this anymore. Faith says that I receive the gift of Jesus. Faith says I believe he is who he says he is, and he is, will, and did everything he said he would do. I I don't have to understand it all, I have to believe I have to believe that he did this for a purpose. And his purpose wasn't just to come prove me wrong or make me look bad. His purpose was he saw a beloved child and said, man, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my child back. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Faith also says that I'm redeemed and I'm saved to a new life in Jesus Christ. And a person of real faith doesn't just say, I believe. They live that out. They act in accordance of. Belief is far more than just this emotional concept. Belief actually dictates our actions to do the things we're supposed to do. And so when we look at the scripture and we wonder why would God do what he did for us, he looked down at humanity and says they have a need, they're ignorant, they, they, they need to, to see what's right in front of them, they have these rebellious hearts, but I love them so much. And yet still some believe God is just so indifferent. If God really cared, if God really, if God really saw what was going on in our world, if he really understood the hurt, if he really understood how bad things were in my life, if he really cared about me as an individual, he'd do something about it. I got news for you this morning, he did. That's the true light of Christmas. That's Emmanuel, God with us. God is not indifferent. Because if he were, he would not have taken such measures to draw us back to himself. God doesn't care about me. i got news for you. God cares about you more than you could ever possibly know. But here's here's the caveat. Listen to this. The reason why so many people think God's not real or he's not powerful or he doesn't care about me is because their rebellious hearts have gotten so hard. They have embraced the sin of this world so much that their needs are yet to be fulfilled if they just keep on doing that. Think we live in a day and age right now where, where our worth and our value is too closely tied to our feelings which are fueled by doubt, despair and unmet needs and ignorance. And friends, unfortunately one of the great disbeliefs in all of Christmas all of Christ must come for us one of the great disbeliefs in all of that are furthered Because people don't believe that it's possible for God to do what he did. And the reason they don't believe that it's possible to understand that is because the the hardening of their hearts, the sin that they're so deeply wrapped in that strangles them, that's holding them down, is keeping them from seeing the truth. It's not just a bunch of rules. It's not just a whole bunch of do's and don'ts. It's God said, listen, there's but one way and I'm it, and I love you. And I see everything that's going on. I see everything that you need. And I'm not going to make a provision to allow you to stay in your sin and still be in my presence. It doesn't work that way. It's not just because I'm almighty and authoritative. It's because this is not just a better way. It's the best way. It's the only way. Many of us are familiar with the passage out of John chapter 3, verse 16, but I wonder if you know what really happens next. Listen to this for a moment. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's good news, isn't it? Whoever believes in him, for those who believe have the right to become sons and daughters of God. But look what it says next. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. I love that we teach children to memorize John 3.16, but I really wish we would teach people to read the rest of that chapter to see what's really going on there. Because if we're not careful, we look at John 3.16 and it says, God so loved the world that he's going to let you just keep doing everything that you're going to do. He's going to do all the work and make all the sacrifices for you, and you don't even have to believe that to be true. And that's not the case. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, and I'm not just talking that he exists, but knows him, believes in him, trusts him, follows him, has faith in him in such a way that my belief in the true light of Christmas dictates every aspect of my life. That when I'm walking in sin, I know it. I don't just embrace it. I don't just realize that God's indifferent. No, no. I know it to be true, and I believe in him. Because I believe in him, I know how he sees me, and he sees that I'm in need, and I'm trying to fulfill a need the wrong way. He sees that I'm ignorant because I've tried to say, I'm going to ignore the rules, I'm going to ignore the relationship, I'm going to do what I want to do. He sees that I have a rebellious heart and I'm fighting him tooth and nail and everything I'm trying to do. But he says, no, that's not enough for me. I'm going to send my son into the world. But if I shine the light and reveal how I see you and reveal all the things in there, don't run back to the darkness and love it. Don't do it. Because here's what you miss about the darkness. You cannot overcome the light and the light will find it out. So when men's deeds are in darkness because they loved the wickedness of it, it is a false sense of hope to think, I'm safe here. See, the light reveals all those things in us. So my question to you this morning would simply be this. What does the true light of Christmas reveal in you? When I look at how God sees me through the light of Jesus that was brought into this world to 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 not just illuminate my heart, but to illuminate my actions and my deeds and my thoughts and see God's love, what does the true light of Christmas reveal in you? And my question and my challenge for you this week would be simply this. What one thing? Not all these other stuff, what one thing is stopping me from seeing what God sees in me? Is it my ignorance? It right in front of me and I'm choosing otherwise? Is it that old self-righteous pastor just gets up there and starts hollering and carrying on and he's a hypocrite and a liar and all those other things? Okay, that's my problem. Why does it have to be your mantra? Is it that I have a rebellious heart that, that I'm just not going to submit to any authority in my life, not just mom and dad or work or, or I, I'm not going to submit to any authority in my is it because I've, I've, I've begun to love the darkness? I've, I've, I've begun to embrace the, the angst and the anger that I kind of like wallowing in self-pity so much that I don't want to be messed with the light? Or is it that I've just failed to realize that I'm an image-bearer of Christ and that He has invited me to be a son or a daughter of Him alone? And all I have to do is believe. One of the great barriers to Christianity is the simplicity of what we have to do in relation to what was done for us. This was Jesus' conversation with Thomas. This was his conversation with many people. Doubt was not the issue, it was disbelief. I outright do not believe God is who he says he is. Jesus was the answer that we all need. So I would invite you this week as you invite others that maybe you can answer those questions. You know why I'm inviting you to Christmas Eve? is because I have a need that only Jesus can fulfill. You know why I'm inviting you to come be a part of a body of believers of real simple people? is because sometimes it's right in front of my face and I'm choosing to ignore it, but people love me enough to say, no, no, you can't get away with that because God's love is greater than your ignorance. Do you know why I want you to come and be a part of what God's doing in our community through this church Christmas Eve or January the 8th? It's because I have a rebellious heart and it's wearing me out. And I'm tired and I just can't keep running away from God that long. And he told me I didn't have to. In fact, he came running to me when he saw the prodigal return. That's my challenge to you this week. It's what one thing one thing is stopping you from really seeing the true light of Christmas of what God sees in you. Don't listen to the world. God's got better things to say about you, I promise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus. That, Father, instead of this, this massive judgment that came through this miraculous virgin birth, instead, it was the doorway that was opened up to eternal life. Through Christ, we see that we don't have to be all these other things that the world thinks we ought to be or should be. We we don't even have to believe all of those things. We don't even have to be complicit about those things. Father, the thing we need to believe is that you love us so much that you sent your son to us. And if we would believe in him, that we would have eternal life. But likewise, God, we should also believe that as human beings, it is in our sin nature to love the darkness. So, Lord, when we stick our hands into that dark box, we don't know what's going to be on the other side. When we walk through the mousetraps of this world barefoot, listen to other blind people give us guidance we can let the true light of Christmas illuminate our hearts and our minds and renew them not just because you wanted to but because we're worth it so Father we thank you for Jesus we thank you that we get to celebrate this season we thank you Lord that there's a reason Sent your Son for each and every one of us. Would you reveal that in our hearts this week, Lord? Help us to use our stories of redemption to invite others to come and see the true light of Christmas. We ask this in the true light's name, Jesus. Amen. Will you, will you stand with us this morning continue to worship?